There are so many quotes about life. Aristotle once said that it is in our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. Nelson Mandela is quoted as saying that the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. American lecturer Ralph Waldo Emerson said that life is a succession of lessons which must be lived to be understood. This is Broken Utopia, a podcast where I, your solo host, Kira, turn my blog posts about life, loss and grief into a podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broken Utopia Pod and also check out our website, brokenutopiapodcast.wordpress.com. Look deeper. This is True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico in the American desert southwest. Hey there, True Consequence family. It's me, your host, Eric Carter-Landine, bringing you a special bonus episode today. I wanted to take time to release this episode as a bonus episode because it isn't related to New Mexico, but it is a case that is pretty shocking, and I wanted to give this person the opportunity to share her son's story. My guest today is Michelle Barton and she's been fighting for justice for her son Tanner for eight years. The circumstances around his death are very mysterious and my heart really just goes out to her in her struggles to find justice for Tanner. I've been following her on Twitter for a while now and I wanted to do something to help her out so I figured why not release a bonus episode for her. I do have to apologize for the sound quality. It's definitely not as good as it has been And that's mostly due to the fact that we had to record by phone. And as you can imagine, the quality of a phone conversation is definitely not as good as somebody talking into a microphone. So uh, it does clear up towards the middle of the episode, but I think that it's really important that her story be told and Tanner's story be told because uh, the more exposure she gets, then hopefully that'll help put pressure on law enforcement to do something about this case. So without further ado, Uh, Welcome to the second bonus episode of True Consequences. Again, if you are a fan of this show, please rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. If you want to contribute to True Consequences, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash trueconsequences. And there are a lot of benefits to being a patron. Uh, My favorite one is that I'll send you a sticker as well as a handwritten note. But you also get early access to episodes, uh, access to exclusive content related to the episodes, and eventually uh, there will be more benefits added to Patreon. Another thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that I'm going to be live streaming every Thursday at 8 o'clock Mountain Time, 10 o'clock Eastern, 
on Get Vocal. That's G-E-T-V-O-K-L. You can download the app on your Android or iOS device, or you can go to GetVocal.com and set up an account, subscribe to True Consequences. You'll be able to participate with me. You could even get on camera and chat with me, uh, or you could text chat with me on Get Vocal. So come and check it out. There will be a new topic every single week. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'm very excited to welcome Michelle to uh, True Consequences today. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you? How are you? <laughs> I am great. great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good too. I'm very excited to have you here. I, I wanted to do this for a while, and I wanted to reach out and ask you to share your son's story with us here on True Consequences. I know it's not a New Mexican case. It's very close, though. You guys are, are right next door to us in Texas, right? Yes. Yes, we are neighbors. Not as close as um, Ariel and I are from Malice, but we're close. <laughs> yeah. Don't you guys live in the same neighborhood? Yeah. Yes, we do. We live a minute and a half away. That's amazing. I know. She's amazing. So shout out to Ariel. Hey, <laughs> At Ariel. Malice. We love you, Ariel. We love you, Ariel. <laughs> and just so you know, Ariel going to be doing a guest spot on my show here in the near future as well so that should be good 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 so michelle um i want to first of all say thank you for joining joining me here today and thank you for taking the time to to share your son's story i know that you've been on a an incredible journey uh and i'm sure that's an understatement in terms of really fighting for justice for tanner but i want to take a minute and just have you talk a little bit about who Tanner was as a person, what Tanner meant to you, and anything that you feel will help paint the picture of Tanner, the human, Tanner, the, the son, the, the brother. Um, thanks. With Tanner, like, because um, there so, there's so much to tell about him. Tanner, um, he was born July 2nd, 1992, um, Tanner Lane Barton. Uh, he just was an amazing kid. He was such a kind little sweet kid. He just, he wanted to make everybody happy. And that was mm -hmm. like all, I mean, as a child on up, I never, I never had problems with him. He was just always kind and compassionate and thoughtful. And even when his sister would, and you know, God love her, she's a great kid, but boy, she used to smack on him when he was little. And I would tell her, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. That little, and she was like four and he was five or something, you know, and, and I'd say, Tanner, stick up for yourself. And he'd say, it's okay, mommy. Sissy's not being mean. She's just sissy. Aww. And yes. And he would go hug her because I was going to swat a little behind. And, you know, I mean, he just lit her. <laughs> I used to have to stick up for him um, because he was such a little brat. And um, I love you, Jameson. Shout out to Jameson. Um, <laughs> but he, that's just the kind of kid he was. And and as he got older, you know, he became, he just was everybody's friend. And he, he had so many friends. And, you know, he, he just, um, he wanted to make everybody smile. He, mm -hmm. you know, he just did everything he could to be that friend and he knew his Jesus. And this is one thing, I don't know if I've really put that out there much. Um, he really did know his Jesus and he would um, send, like when kids were having a hard time and, and we found this after he passed, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, you go through their things. And like I've said before, I felt like I was invading his privacy, but there were things that we just had to go through to, you know, for the investigation. And right. 
I was, yeah, and I'm, I'm just so proud of him. He would, he would send um, biblical scriptures to kids who were having um, a rough day, or he would pray for them before they had to take a test. And, you know, and, and in his Bible, he, sorry, he just, he marked certain scriptures and he would live by them. I mean, he wasn't, yes. And he wasn't scared to wear his, um, got Jesus shirt, you know, and instead of the got milk, got Jesus, he, he just was, um, he just was God's gift. Was he into sports or, or any kind of extra activities that he liked to do? Was there anything that he loved? aside from helping people and making people feel good, which is amazing in its own, but was there anything else that he was really into and excited about? You know, yes. Um, he started playing football. I would tell you, he started playing he, his first sport because my husband and I are both ballers. We're both, um, I'm softball. He's, um, he was baseball. He played pro ball. Um, I played, we both played college ball. So we're both into like baseball, softball. So we tried to get him out for baseball. Yeah. And, um, that was a bust. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he's like, uh, uh, that wasn't his game. So then we tried soccer and, um, you know, and this is a funny story. I got to tell real quick. Um, all the kids were, and he was like four, four or five. Mm -hmm. And all the kids were like run down to, to, you know, I'm not a soccer person. I don't understand soccer, but they were down at the other op- opposing side and Tanner stayed down at, down, you know, at his side and he wasn't a goalie. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're like, Tanner, what are you doing? He goes, why run down there? They're going to come back, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay, check that one off. We're not going to be a soccer player. So, also that's pretty logical right (laughs) right he's like why exert energy mommy they're gonna be coming basically they're gonna be coming right back mommy so um yeah i know (laughs) so those two sports we crossed those off and then in first yeah and then in first grade he found football and he has loved football you know ever since and he played from first grade um all the way up through you know into his freshman year of college um and he did he he you know he was a weightlifter um he mm-hmm. broke all the all the weightlifting records at his high school he was a heavyweight wrestler um which was very it scared me because you have these two heavyweight wrestlers out there and when they pick each other up oh my good lord they you know these boys are big yeah. so um i i had to, i had a hard time watching <laughs> <laughs> that sport because I'm like don't you dare hurt my son and here he's struggling to get I'm like I seriously wanted to get up and go whoop their butt and say get off my son you know right <laughs> so I had a hard time with that, with that sport but he was very good at it so um you know he did uh shot put um all that kind of stuff in in uh, track he he was an amazing bowler and um, like I've, mm. I've said before he, yeah he he self-taught himself really um, and he, he, um, he bowled two perfect games by the time he was 17 and he'd only been bowling wow. a couple of years. Yeah. Yes. And we were so proud of him with that. And he was a male cheerleader, which, you know, every guy's dream. He was, cause all the girls loved him and he was a male cheerleader for the ba- basketball season. And he, gosh, what, he was in theater. He was in choir. He had an amazing voice. Um, and on top of all that, you know, he was extremely smart. He, he had gotten a, um, he had gotten, he was on the Dean's list his freshman year of college, both semesters, even after he passed, his grades were good enough 
that wow. he, uh, yes, that he was on the Dean's list. And um, uh, he had, a, he had a, a scholarship to play football. And before that, he'd actually gone, he was on the North-South All-Stars, which is a huge thing in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, football's huge in Indiana. And, <laughs> yeah, really big. And it's, there's a, it's called North-South, the best of the best. The best linemen or the best position play the South's best position, you know, across the line. Mm -hmm. And he made it, and he was one of the top linemen in the state. He was all state. He, you know, he just, he was that kid that just, you know, he, he was just an amazing, to me, he was an amazing um, human being, not just, a, he just was in a, he was an all-around good package. It sounds like he was very well-rounded and, um, you know, really into things that he loved and wasn't afraid to live his life, and that's, that's really beautiful. He was not afraid to live. He loved life. He was always just always happy and, you know, jovial and joking. And, you know, he was always playing jokes and tricks on people. And, you know, he just, yeah, trust me. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. You know where they put the, the rubber band? Yeah, this one he got me on. I was like, Tanner. Um, he put the rubber band on the um, sink faucet you know the little sprayer yeah. on your yeah and so when I went to turn the water on yeah I, I mean I was stopped because I was like hurrying up trying to get dishes started and yeah he laughed I thought he was gonna roll on the floor yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. you know he yeah he just was he's just a good kid so I'm gonna shift gears a little bit here and we talked about who he was as a person and what he meant to you and and it sounds like he meant a lot to you and your uh, entire family and everybody around him um, mm -hmm. and, and like I told you before we started recording, the reason I do that is because I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, victims of murder are, are people. They're not just statistics. They're not just sensational news headlines. You know, Tanner was, was a loved, uh, connected human being and he deserved, uh, he deserves justice, but he also didn't deserve for this to happen to him. And, no. and I think it's really important that we talk about the fact that, you know, there's a huge part of your life that's gone and, um, and a huge part of a bunch of people's lives. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he touched, it sounds like he touched a lot of people. Oh Lord. Yes. He touched a lot. I mean, seriously, he, <clears throat> he was loved. I mean, when, when he passed and I, I'm going to yeah. tell you, we had to get the biggest church in Kokomo. It's a town of 60, 70,000 people. We had, to, we were told to get the biggest church because the um, outpouring and the of, of people was, had become so huge that when we had his viewing, mm -hmm. it was standing room only. And this church was huge. It was standing wow. room only. Yes. And people were waiting hours. Um, they, they, um, it was a set for six hours. It, it went well beyond that. So, and people just kept coming in and uh, I was, um, pre I was exhausted. Um, to be honest, I was out of it a lot. And the next day, his funeral or the, the next day at his funeral, um, they said, oh, well, the, the preacher, he said, you know, I've done a lot of funerals and never, Never have I um, seen so much testimony to a, the love of a child by looking out at all you. And he said, he stood up and he goes, look at all of you. Look how many people, Tanner, 
connected with. Look how many people mm-hmm. loved him. He goes, this is like rock star status. And his exact words, this is like rock star status that this kid is loved this much. And, um, and then it was afterwards. I didn't know. I, you know, I was out of it, like I said. Um, but the funeral director said, you know, after we had to stop putting flags, you know how they put the flags on so you're, you know, um, mm-hmm. as you're going to the, the um, gravesite funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, said we had to stop putting flags after 900 cars. Wow. He said that was how many were in the procession. So that 900 cars, just that. I mean, that's just, that doesn't include all the others that came in after or the people. Did. So he said, I have never seen anything like this. He goes, this child must have meant so much to so many people just mm-hmm. look at this so you know it, he did he he was he was just more than life he just he was just so well loved that's such a beautiful um a beautiful testimony to who he was as a person and mm-hmm. and to the love that not only that he gave but that he he shared with everybody uh, then you have that's that's incredible and and I think everybody hopes and and wishes that that their life will leave that kind of impression and that kind of legacy in the lives of others that's just it's really beautiful Michelle and uh thank you for sharing that with me and with uh, with my listeners it's wow i'm 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 touched you know just, <laughs> just just hearing that I'm touched. Um, yeah, and then so, that just tells you what kind of a person, what kind of a person he really was. Mm-hmm. Because I could sit up here all day long, and as a mom, I can tell you how wonderful my children are as a mom. But when you when you see that, when you yeah. hear that, and when people, you look around, and we were standing at the funeral. There were people standing all around. They had a upper um, balcony. People were standing everywhere because there was no room to sit down um, at his at his funeral. And you know, even the school came in and they had the choir there. And I'm going to tell. This is one part that was so touching that day. Sorry, I don't. I don't. I haven't talked really about his funeral, and I think that's very important that yeah. people hear what we really go through because it's just not okay he died you bury him you go but it's still it's a celebration of their lives and and it gives meaning to who they really were and um his college football team all came and um i mean a big old busload you know here's all these big football players and and his high school team and they all and i didn't know this was going to happen i thought it was so, oh, I just sit back and I think how amazing it was, but they all stood around and they all came out of their seats and they all stood and, and knelt on one knee and they were led in the Lord's prayer. Mm. And as one final prayer for Tanner. So sorry. It no, just, okay. it just was beautiful. And you know, and, and the testimonies of the people getting up. So it was just, it, it was the saddest, hardest day of my life. But it also made me so proud and loved him so much, so much. 
And um, and I'm going to tell you for anybody who's really lost a child that that moment when it's everybody's gone and you finally have to walk away from his their casket and you'll you know you'll never ever ever see them again mm-hmm. is something the hardest thing aside from getting that phone call is one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do and my heart goes out to anybody that has to do that because that's the last time you'll ever see their face and so you've got to pull yourself away and that that was a very very hard day for us yeah very hard day so i think that people that haven't experienced that really don't understand and 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 i appreciate that you you pointed this out because it goes back to my point you know it's it's not just about the fact that somebody was lost yes that's that's a huge part of it but it's it's the people that are left behind and especially when you don't get justice that is the worst feeling that you could have because the pain's never going to go away the pain of the loss is never going to go away but the pain of not having justice is like a continual slap in the face to the families because you know what happened you know what's what's wrong and, and, and you know that something should have been done and the fact that nothing was done. And, and then you start to question, you know, from my perspective, I start to question my sanity, you know, like maybe am, am I crazy? Because <laughs> how come I'm the only one that sees that this is wrong? How come I'm the only one that cares that this happened and nobody's done anything about it? Have you had that same experience? Oh, yes. It's been eight years of it. Eight eight years of us knowing from the beginning. I mean, we knew from the day one that um, something bad happened to Tanner. I mean, we knew from the very beginning um, that day of when the coroner told us that Tanner's death was highly suspicious and we were told it was a crime scene. So from day one, we knew. And, and then as the months went on, we seen that they weren't really investigating. So yeah, we, you see that. And it's, it's so frustrating because here you're still fighting and you know and and you you get people I I have a great group of um supporters a great group of friends who held on all these years and still want to see justice for Tanner there's still Mm -hmm. kids out there who want who, who actually will tell me that is not what happened to Tanner we know that that definitely, you know, was something suspicious. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and and people come to you with the, the, you know, their, their ideas, their thoughts, their, this could have happened. This is what we heard. And, and when you take it to the police and it falls on deaf ears, it really, it's just, it's beyond frustrating. And, and it just makes you want to get more vocal, which I did. I got more, every, every slap in the face, every door that was shut, I just got more vocal. You know, you can't shut my mouth up. You know, you can't maybe able to shut this case down. Um, But I'm going to make sure that people know what you're doing. And I'm going to expose you for all of it. And I did. And I I do. I respect that so much. And and that's, you know, this is about Tanner's case, but that's where I am as well, you know, on my journey. So, um, you definitely inspire me to continue to fight 
um, and, and following you on social media and seeing how much you go through and how much you're, you're fighting every single day. I just, I want to say thank you on behalf of, of everybody who's in this situation because uh, that is what it takes. It takes that persistence. And, you know, I may never see justice for my brother. You may, you know, let's hope mm-hmm. you do, but, but there's a possibility that this could continue for a while. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and the fact that you don't give up is, is just so inspiring to me, Michelle. I just really, I, I don't have words to say other than thank you. Aw, <laughs> now, you, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to make me cry. Um, you know, but this is, I think when you're passionate, passionate enough about something, you're going to go, you know, and, and when, when it hits this deep into your soul, yeah. You know, and, and you know that there's injustice, you're going to push, you're going to yell, you're going to scream. And the more people come back at me, the louder I, I mean, I do. I have s- several people that have decided to attach themselves and say horrible things. And the only thing I could come back with is the true facts that I have. I, yeah. And I've never changed my story. So people can say all they want. They can attack you all they want. They can you know, scream and discredit and do whatever they want. But what they don't have is what we have, which is the true facts. We have the black and white facts. And that's what you'll see me put out there. Black and white facts don't lie. That's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite sayings because it's true. People in our case, in in um, in what we're doing, like you as well with your the death of your, your brother and what your mm-hmm. parents have to go through, Black and white facts are right there. We are the ones exactly. who were in the meetings. and Exactly. And these people out here don't know what, what we know. They don't know the meetings that we have been in. They weren't um, sitting down with the coroner and the um, pathologist and the detectives and all these. They weren't in those conversations. They didn't hear what we have heard and what we're told. But they want to just, like, you know, put it out there, you know, to discredit us and make us look right. crazy, which, hey, we are crazy. We can't help <laughs> it. it. We weren't crazy, but this will make you crazy. And, you oh, know, I, will, sure. <laughs> and you, like you said, am I crazy? Um, there are days I think that I'm like, am I really crazy for just continuing that part? Should I keep going? And then and then I'll see something about my son and I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. And nobody can silence me. I, you, you can't silence me. I have. And I, it's not that I want to make you cry, but I'm going to say something that might. And I just <laughs> have to say this. Like, okay. people, everybody, I think, in the world, and I might cry talking about this. Everybody in the world wants to know that somebody cares enough about them to fight for them the way that you're fighting for your son. Oh, that's true. You know? And. And you are doing so much for him and for his memory by what you do. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just incredible. Like the love that you have and, and the love of a mother. I, I know that's such a strong bond, but the amount of love that you have to continue fighting for him is huge. I'm just, I, I want to honor that. And I want to, I want to respect that because I know it's not easy. <laughs> No, and thank you. Bless your little heart. <laughs> thank you. Um, it's true. It's, yeah. my, the love for my son is just as strong today as the day he was born, as the day he died. There is nothing different 
except I can't project that love back to him. I can't, um, I can't hug him and tell him I have to freaking yeah. talk to the sky, you know, <laughs> or, <dinner. Yeah. laughs> or I'll see a sign and I'll think, oh, thanks, Bubby. You know, I just, um, you know, because they give you signs. I get signs. Do you get signs? I get yeah. signs. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and you do. So when I see that, I'm like, oh, just, I miss him. You know, when yeah. I talk about him, I, I just, I miss, I just miss him being in our lives. We all yeah. do. Yeah. So I don't mean to cry. Sorry, y'all, but. Um... No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, you have nothing to apologize for. You've done nothing wrong. Uh, I'm sorry I made you cry, but I just had to say that. No. I feel I feel strongly like it's so, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm blown away. Um, I'd like to move into the circumstances around his death as much as you're willing to share. Uh-huh. Um, I don't, again, I don't want to traumatize you more than you've already been traumatized but I do think it's important to get his story out there um, and I understand that because it's not solved there's some things that you can't say I get it if you don't mind just share what you can about what happened to Tanner okay yeah, and you know um, when you said it wasn't solved um, in 2018 Howard County I caught the Hail Mary um, attempt uh, last attempt to shut me up and they they closed Tanner's case on a theory um, that had no forensic background or evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did it to shut me up. And it's obvious because um, I hadn't investigated. So I'm kind of going backwards, if that makes sense. That's okay, um, yeah. okay, so kind of that way I can get this part out of the way. Um, in 2018, it was 2017 when we really, um, I kind of got back with the detective because I had a, a very strong individual who was really working Tanner's case with me. And and this person, she, you know, she just kept contacting the sheriff's department, contacting people, making sure, you know, that communication opened back up. And the more she did, the more we, we had gotten that we realized that they really did not investigate Tanner's death all mm. those six years up. Yes, it, it was. It was so obvious. And, you know, we asked for certain things and they, they couldn't provide them. I'll get back with you. You know, the. The, the same putting you off that we'd had for six years. Well, this girl became very, very vocal of helping. And, you know, Tanner's story um, took off. And we were on several national shows um, in Canada, um, numerous podcasts. And and we were so close to um, getting Tanner's case closed or mm-hmm. on our theory, which we right. believe um, we believe he was given a drug is what our and, and, and we've had death investigators discuss it. And the detective kept saying um, it, it, there was a college drug. Tanner took a co- – the college drug everybody kept trying to say was Adderall. And um, and it, we were like, well, he didn't take Adderall, you know. I mean, and then they said, well, he had taken like three Adderall, um, two or three Adderall three days before he died to stay awake for a term paper. Um, so see, I'm kind of going backwards, but I will be going yeah. back to the beginning, but they said yeah. this, just so I, then this will kind of make sense when I go back to the beginning of it. And, um, and they said, uh, you know, his, um, he had taken Adderall three days before he died. He said he had stayed up all night with a term, doing a term paper, which he did three days prior. Um, he was at my sister's house who is a, a naturopath, um, which is a, ho- a holistic type doctor. And, um, and she was like, she goes, Michelle, 
I would have known if Tanner would have taken Adderall because if you don't need Adderall, you basically, um, you get hyper. Right. It makes you hyper. If you need it, it calms you down. Like heat. Yeah. Yeah. He had been, yeah. And if you would have known Tanner, um, you hear how fast I talk. Oh Lord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't even imagine how he would talk. And, um, and she goes, he was the same old kid. If he had taken two to three Adderall that night, my sister said he would have been flying around. She goes, he just laid back like he always was. And, um, and it wasn't in his system in the toxicology as well. So they had said, um, in a, cell phone conversation Tanner had had with his girlfriend three days prior that it said he'd taken some Addies and he thought he was going to die. And I'm like, I didn't see that conversation. And we had his phone and my husband didn't see it. And the detective had Tanner's phone at the very beginning, the original detective, we'd had another detective since. And, Mm -hmm. and he, he said he didn't see anything in Tanner's phone that would have, um, that, that, that was questionable, nothing at all. So we're wondering if that was like planted in there because we know people, I was told you could get into phones and make things appear and disappear. You know what I mean? When people can mm-hmm. hack your phone. So we didn't know if that conversation had been planted in there. I mean, we don't know because so much has gone on with this case that's sketchy that, um, you know, that that's one of our questions. So sure. anyways, um, yeah, they, they said, um, Three days later, um, his heart went into such an arrhythmia that when he went over to that friend's house, and because he had stayed up for three days, I'm like, okay, hang on. He slept from, you know, day three to day, you know, to to the day he died. I mean, he slept between those days. and, And if his heart was in such an arrhythmia to where he, um, to where it was, um, he was going to die three days later, you would know that. I mean, your heart would be so out of whack mm-hmm. and it would be so out of whack that, um, and he would have said, mom, my heart feels funny. He was at, he had practice high impact college sport. He had practice. He would have felt it. He would have died probably then not three days later when he had a little bit of marijuana and a little bit of alcohol. Right. So they said what killed him was, and this was in a text, the Adderall was, like I said, in a text, um, there was no witness to it. There absolutely nobody seen it. Um, and I'm like, you know, and I told the detective and I know I say this a lot, but I said, that's like me texting a friend saying I'm laying by the pool, drinking a margarita when really I've got a bowl of chips watching Netflix. I said, who's this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I told him that I'm like, who's to say if that's a lie or who's to say Tanner wasn't just bragging. Like, yeah, I'm cool, you know, but they, they closed his case on that, that text, that text only with no physical evidence, no pictures, no proof. And they even had my sister who went in and they didn't want to listen to her. They didn't care what she had to say. So we knew at this point that they were closing Tanner's case just to shut me up because Howard County um, had been um, pretty much, um, drugged through the media dirt. I mean, they were drugged, you know, they, they didn't do anything to Tanner. They didn't work Tanner's case. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's obvious. And the media got a hold of it. And so they got pretty much um, thrown out to the wolves. Um, trying for, to shut it down, basically. Yeah. So basically, I think what they did was shut me down and shut Tanner's case down on anything they could find and get. Um, because 
Uh, we even had a death investigator, um, the gal who was helping us. Um, she worked with a death investigator, and he said absolutely no way would Tanner take him taking Adderall three days prior to his death. Would his heart go into such an arrhythmia that he would die? There's no way. And he said Tanner would not have suffocated. If, if Tanner suffocated, you've got a lawsuit against uh, the makers of Adderall because that's not even on on the bottle possible um, because they said Tanner died of positional asphyxiation and with secondary um, heart arrhythmia. Well, first off, if if it was his heart, it would have been first. It would have been right, and it would have been a heart attack or a stroke or something. Mm-hmm. Related to your blood vessels, not not suffocation. Yes, but it's listed as suffocation first, positional asphyxia first, and then secondary heart. And huh. uh, which tells us something was in his system because all the toxicology, and I'll, I'm going to go back to the toxicology, all of those are conflicting. There is not one thing that is pretty much um, that, that can you can relate and weave through. There's the, the, the lies and, and the tampering just weaves through these um, toxicology reports, and, and it's obvious. So, um, so yeah, they closed Tanner's case um, April, the week of his death anniversary. The week of, mm. so, yeah. So they really worked hard. Um, they, they were wanting to just really cripple us. And not only the week of Tanner's six-year anniversary, they went ahead and closed Tanner's case with the help of um, several individuals who kept pushing a theory and, you know, the theory there is, okay, great. You know, prove to me that there was Adderall involved first. Show me a picture, show me a witness um, and show me it in his toxicology. You can't. So you can't make me believe that. And we, we even um, had a, a meeting set up with the detectives April 30th of 2018 and to go over everything about Tanner's case. And Mm -hmm. they got back to my sister because she was going to go, I'm here in Texas. So she was going to, she's in Indiana and you know, her and a family spokesperson was going to meet with the detective and go over the newest cause of death. And they canceled and said um, that their boss, I do believe it's the sheriff and the prosecutor said, this wouldn't help the family any at all anyways. And I'm like, well, wait, yes, it wouldn't help us. And it's not going to change. And it's not going to bring Tanner back. You, I'm like, wait, wait a second. So you just changed my son's manner of death, his cause of death. And you're not going to meet with our family and try to explain to us and tell us exactly what happened. You're not going to, you're not going to have the common courtesy to sit down with a the family who's been fighting six years for answers, and finally you get an answer, and you're gonna you're not gonna sit down with that family and discuss what you found happened to this kid. Mm, they wouldn't. They very because they know my sister would. My sister was prepared. My sister was prepared. So and they knew it. They knew it. So that was then. So we go back to the beginning. Tanner left. Um, it was. Uh, April 21st, he'd come home from college. Like I said, he had just done his turn paper. He was excited. Uh, he was going to a, a friend with his girlfriend to a party and chose to stay home and go to a movie with a friend. And then this 
the house that he was he was at, um, they'd been inviting him all day to come out. You're gonna come out. You're gonna come out. And Tanner's like, no, I'm I'm going to a party. And I know this through his cell phone. So, and and, and my daughter also, um, you know, they, they talk. You know how that is. They they talk. Mm-hmm. But they don't always talk to mom. So I didn't know that he didn't go to the party um, at Purdue. I I just figured that's where he was. So, um, so he he. He left that that evening um, around five o'clock, and he ended up at a party. Or, or he went to. They said that the detective said Tanner at that point left and went and smoked a ton of marijuana at a friend's house. And this kid came through with the witness. But toxicology will, um, you know, pretty much. He had like a, a a small amount of marijuana in his system, not the crap load that the detective said he had smoked. He goes, he t- smoked tons and tons that night, Michelle. The witness even said, and this witness, um, so happened, waited five years until the statute of limitations worn off before he would even speak to police. The other thing is on that, I mean, I'm not an expert here, but marijuana stays in your system for at least a month. So it's not something that you could take and then, like, if, if he did really smoke that much, then that would have shown up in the in the report because, yeah, yeah because it doesn't just go away after a few days or you know, no. even, yeah. even that day. <laughs> exactly. He had a little bit, but the way the detective was speaking, it was like tons and tons of it, Michelle, and... Um, so, because there was a movie they were going to go to and he goes and Michelle, he was late to the movie. So I'm like, all right, great. You know? So they went to a movie, which was like a three, four hour movie. It was was something that was out that year. And I I can't remember. It was supposed to be the big thing. And, and then after that, he he texted his friend and, um, he said, I can't remember his exact words. Um, but it was like, Hey, basically the offer's still open. Um, can I still come out to your house? And his friend said, are you a cruise in this way? And Tanner says, I believe so. So that was like at like eight thirty per his phone, his cell phone. Uh-huh. So it would have put him out there around nine o'clock. So why, why I'm saying times is because they told the police that Tanner just happened to stop by when we have in his phone, they invited him out all day long and was disappointed because he was going to go to a Purdue, a party at Purdue and not, you know, stay at there, come out to their house. And so, Anyways, he went and um, around midnight, they went and had gotten donuts. They got back around two. And then um, between 207 to 11, Tanner's girlfriend called. And they had their I love you. He finally, because he'd been texting her all night, worried that, you know, she was at this party by herself. And, and you know, he waited till she called him before he started drinking, which if you know my son, I truly believe that. That's why his BAC was so low. Um, because he, he, he was, he was waiting in case she needed help. You know, Hey, I need you. He would have been there. I mean, that's how, that's just how good of a kid he was. He thought of others before himself. So, you know, he was waiting and I could tell he didn't want to be at that house because he kept texting people and texting people and Mm. everybody kind of was busy and they didn't answer phones. You know, that time when it's like 10, 11 at night and a lot of people are, some people sleeping. I mean, they're, you know, doing whatever. So, um, so he didn't really want to be there and I, you could tell. And so from two, oh, two eleven to three o'clock, they said they consumed a ton of alcohol. Um, that Tanner did, but once again, his blood alcohol level was only 0.063. So, which Tanner was six, three, 350 pounds. Um, 
like I said, he was an offensive lineman. So he was a, he's a big old boy. And they said that would have been comparable to like two beers for Tanner. And, but, but, but the bottle that was there, it showed, um, it was like a fifth, a fifth of um, Bacardi. Mm -hmm. And they said that this girl, you know, when his girlfriend called, she said it sounded like a party, like a bunch of girls being loud. It was, there's a lot of rambunctiousness going on. And that, you know, and, and, but the girl's statement at that house said that, you know, they were just having a quiet night, just her and Tanner talking and they just had some drinks. And I was like, when you read the huh. statement, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. And, um, but when you read the statements, it's, they tell on themselves and it's so awful that, that the sheriff's department did not pick up on this. I mean, they did, they said they knew that they were lying. They didn't believe any of them that morning. Um, but for them to, it's like the audio itself is horrific. I mean, they're laughing. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So, um, yeah, she was, she had, she said that they were drinking this much. And, and if, if they had drank that much Bacardi, this girl said she's never drank before. And Tanner's BAC was so low. Um, somebody else had to have been there drinking that bottle because they said it was almost full and it was finished. It was emptied. And then they had Mm. beers and other things. And the coroner himself said it was a known party house. And he said that um, it looked, and in the coroner's notes, it says it was a disaster. It looked like there'd been a party and um, just some of his notes. And you could tell because he, he explained some things to us when he came over and I'm kind of fast forwarding back and forth. Sorry, y'all. I try to tell this story the best I can, but my okay. mind is like a squirrel. <laughs> it is. My mind is like a squirrel sometimes. I don't, it just goes back and forth. I truly apologize. And, um, but, um, yeah, so he, he collapsed at three o'clock. She said that he, um, got up and he'd staggered to the, to the stairs, but then she said he got up on this thing which we didn't know what this thing was. And then she says, but then I looked around and there's a bomb scene. So I looked back and Tanner turned around at me and just collapsed um, at the, on the floor at the base of the stairs. And she hmm. said, I went over, yeah. And I went over to check his pulse and I left him there. What? And yes, she checked okay. his pulse allegedly. And then she just said, I thought maybe he was just drunk. And so I just left him there. And she says, I, his wrist was so big that I think I got a pulse. I don't know, but I just left him there and I went and laid down on the couch to go to bed. And, um, she has parents upstairs. Her parents were upstairs. Well, allegedly, um, we've heard different stories, but allegedly by the statements, the parents were upstairs. They didn't go get parents. Um, they didn't call 911, so they left him on the floor mm-hmm. for six and a half hours until they called 911. So, wow. yes. And, you know, they they say that they'd gone to bed and everybody woke up and there was Tanner. And I'm like, you know, I would believe that if it was at a different house. But knowing these people at this house and knowing um, his friend that was there, what kind of relationship Tanner and him had as to how much fun they had and how, you know, they, they, you wouldn't, if those two are together, they don't, he's, they're not sleeping. And the, the, the guy, I have to go back. 
he said that he was tired, so he went to bed at midnight. This His friend that invited him over, okay, you hadn't seen your college buddy in a month, and he's coming over, and you're going to play video games, and, you know, the parents are playing some beer pong game, da-da-da, and you're going to go to bed at midnight because you've had a bad day. I, hmm. I laughed so hard at that. I was so mad that I had to laugh because I'm like, you're, you're such a liar. You're such a liar because I can read right through you because I know this kid. You know, Tanner had been hanging out with him for about a year and a half. And I, you know, I, I treated him like he was my own. When he would come to the house, you know, I, I treated him like my own. When the boys were asleep, I would check on them. They don't know this. They didn't know this. But I would just check, open the door and check, make sure everybody was okay before I went to bed. Or if I got up middle night and I heard it was quiet. But see, that's not the kind of house Tanner was at that night. So, um, and that's just not the kind of parenting that was at that house. So, mm-hmm. Tanner, um, they they didn't get a, a, an adult. They left him there. And at 9.24 is when they um, called 911. And I had received a call. And we have to go by, my phone records have been altered, um, so, but just that by that morning. All, no other day, no other time. Tanner's, my husband's and myself were altered by one hour. And hmm. Tanner's, yes, Tanner's phone at 2.11 was the last call that came in. And it showed um, unknown call, which we know it was his girlfriend. And I have it on her the phone, but the phone record says unknown. So our phone records had been tampered with. My husband received a call from Tanner's friend well before I did, around 8.30, 8.40-ish, um, that he remembers. And and that's the kid who called me around, I believe my call came in around 9. But my records are off. So we we don't really know, but we know that Tanner's friend had called him when he called me at around 9. Is, my guess was around 9. Now, by records and stuff, I don't know. We asked the sheriff's department for the actual records. Um during this investigation, because I gave them permission, I said, look at my phone records. Um, they wouldn't give them to us. He wouldn't let me see them because he had to subpoena my um, my home phone records. So they wouldn't give them to us. So we don't know. But at nine o'clock, um, well, when I received the phone call, it was Tanner's friend, his best friend, who was not the, allegedly not there that night. Um, he called and he said, Michelle, um, has anybody contacted you? Is, you know, is have you received any phone calls? And I said, no. And that's when I knew something was wrong because this is his friend, Tommy. Tommy was his Mm -hmm. best friend um, from, for years, seventh grade on. And um, he, he said, well, Michelle, something happened to Tanner. We think there's been an accident. We think Tanner died. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, this is a child who called me a kid. Tanner's BFF. I'm like, what, what, you know, of course, going crazy trying to figure all this out in my head. And he goes, I don't know. My dad just called me and said he's on his way out there and um, that um, they think there's been an accident. Um, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but I'll find out more. Okay. Uh, and here, then we start calling and I'm like, well, wait, 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 why is your dad, why is your dad going out there before 911? And, and I just remember this going through my head. Yeah. And um yeah, and there was a lot of things that went on. So like I said after that phone call he said the phone records were such a big thing and the phone call that came in and so we're calling around and thank God I called my neighbor because that put in perspective and that shows you that somebody altered my phone records because 
I called him at 946 and he's a sheriff's deputy. So he had to document that into the case file. My records on my phone shows that I called him at 846. So somebody dropped my time back an hour, dropped my husband's time back an hour and shut down Tanner's phone at 211 as the last call to ever come in. So we don't know who called what or, or there was no more activity on my son's phone, which is really very suspicious because um, I know I called my son's phone a ton of times and left messages. So it would have shown up and we had his phone still turned on. So somebody um, manipulated it and turned his phone, the records. We don't know. We're trying to figure that part out. So um, I called my okay. uh, neighbor who is a sheriff's deputy and I said, you know, they, they say Tanner's dad. I said, can can you figure out what's going on? Can you, can you call around? I said, sure. we're, we're sitting here trying to figure this out. And he goes, Oh my God, Michelle. Okay. Okay. So he got off the phone and about five minutes later, we felt, we found out where Tanner, where these people um, lived and where Tanner was at. And we were halfway there and he calls me and he goes, Michelle, where are you at? And I said, I'm uh, we're on our way out to the house. He goes, no, you have got to turn around. And I said, no, I said, Jeff's driving. He, he's not going to turn around. And he goes, he goes, well, he goes, he goes, Michelle, he goes, oh, honey, he goes, it's true. Tanner died. Oh my God. So, yeah. So I'm rushing and my husband takes off and we get out there and we're met by an officer because it's a country um, subdivision and the, the, the lane is real long and um, it's blocked off. And so they must've called ahead of time and said, Hey, the family's on the way out. And they, we got there and he said, it's a crime scene. You cannot go up there. And when we pulled up, that whole family was standing outside with um, 10 feet apart with an officer watching them. And then the, the Tanner's friend, Tommy's dad was out there as well. Cause you know, he had re arrived at the scene before everybody else. Right. Um, per phone records. We don't know. We got to figure all that out, but we're, we're working on that. And, um, you know, and there they all were. And they said the reason they did that, um, hindsight now was because, um, they, none of them were believed. They knew they formulated a story. And so they separated them so they would no longer talk amongst themselves. And they even escorted them all. Everybody was taken down to the sheriff's department in a separate squad car to keep them from talking again uh, you know, amongst themselves. And when we, um, going back through looking at records that day of, you know, through the coroner record and the first responder records, uh, they had been there an hour and a half. The um, first responder officer um, first on scene. Mm -hmm. And he says he'd been there about an hour, hour, 20 minutes. They called it at that point, a crime scene and detectives were called. So it wasn't a natural death. You can't tell me my son just collapsed and, um, you know, just died naturally because the coroner um, himself said that there were signs of an overdose and there were signs of foam in his lungs, in his throat, in his mouth, in his nose. He had blood on his face. He had blood on his hand where it appeared as though he... Um, like he knew something was going on with his nose because he tapped his nose. You could tell and kind of mm -hmm. wiped the backside pinky. And it was noted even in the coroner's notes, that part. So that tells you he knew something was going on with Tanner before it happened. And um, before he collapsed, he knew. And so that morning the, the coroner came to our house 
and he told us that that was an evil house. And he told us somebody mm-hmm. did something to your son. It was not of his doing. Yes. He said, that's an evil house. Those are evil people. Um, he told us this, these are his exact words. Um, you know, and he prayed with us. He stood in a circle with our family and, you know, he, he prayed and he goes, I'm going to do everything I can to find out what happened. And so, you know, we, we had a big vigil that night. Um, the next day, um, the autopsy was, uh, you know, was slated to have the autopsy and right. he came back. He said, Michelle, we had a meeting, the the detective uh, that week, he come after the um, autopsy came back. They couldn't explain anything. So he says, I'm going to have a meeting with your family and the coroner, the pathologist and the, and the detective myself or himself. And he said, we all sat down and he says, in all of our years combined, we have never seen a perfectly healthy 19 year old boy just die for no reason. No reason. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the, um, the, tux, the um, cause of death was positional asphyxia first, of course, listed, you know, and then uh, enlarged heart second, secondary. So what my sister kept saying, if there is nothing in my son's, my nephew's system or nothing um, that caused his death and he died of positional asphyxia, she says he didn't have SIDS. So you can't tell me that there's nothing in his system. There has to be a catalyst. There has to be something in his system that caused him to not reposition himself to breathe and caused his heart to, um, to stop. I said, because she said what he was doing was trying to get oxygen to his heart. That's why his heart stopped. That's why. And then they said his heart was enlarged. Well, yeah, your heart's going to enlarge because your heart's trying to get oxygen. So it's a muscle. It's going to enlarge. And, you know, we, we, they just, they still couldn't explain it. And then they're saying, well, waiting on um, the toxicology to come back. And it still couldn't explain anything. Well, a couple months later, um, I, I kept questioning why a veterinarian was called first. I kept saying, why was a veterinarian called out there? Why um, was this veterinarian? And I, and I said that so many times. Um, and somebody contacted me who is, uh, who knows about, Tanner's friend's dad that that was his dad who was a veterinarian Tommy's dad mm-hmm. was a veterinarian um and he says you know there's this she's this person came to me and um they said I gotta tell you some things about this veterinarian and um that they had been addicted to ketamine and that's the drug we believe because it, it causes you to um not reposition yourself to breathe and mm-hmm. you know I kept yes and we in that 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 veterinarian that was called out there, um, you know, the Tommy's dad, he had lost his license for seven years prior to this for his addiction to it. He was actually found um, unresponsive at his own home due to ketamine. So I took my concerns to the sheriff's department and I said, please, please test for this drug. I said, and then when I started um, investigating and Googling and checking and the way my son died is, parallel to a ketamine overdose you know the foaming of the mouth the the foam mm-hmm. coming out the you can't reposition yourself to breathe because it's basically a horse tranquilizer or the date rape drug kind of i mean that's the mm-hmm. street version but the medical version is a horse tranquilizer so somehow we believe tanner gotten a hold of that and because the toxicology is so um 
the toxicology is so conflicting that it looks as though somebody very well hid the, the ketamine and kept it out of the toxicology reports. Weird. So it's, it's very, very weird. And, and like I said, I'm not accusing this man of anything because these, this family, they, they all had, they owned a veterinarian clinic prior. So, you know, all these kids that were there had access to this, um, this drug because they all um, worked at the clinics and helped the parents. So like I said, I'm not accusing anybody of any of this. I just want to know how and if he got a hold of that, that drug, if, sure. if it was put in his drink. Um, and, and my gut tells me that. And, the, you know, and, and when you look at these toxicology reports, it shows, you know, um, there's a urine test that all of a sudden pops up. But they, in the coroner's notes, you can't, they couldn't get urine. But all of a sudden, a urine test pops up that shows negative even for marijuana. And I'm like, holy, yeah, urine. Yeah. See where I'm bringing, I'm bringing now back to the, the, where they, he smoked tons and tons of, of marijuana the night before. Well, if he smoked that much marijuana and they did a urine test on my son, it would show, um, it would be, you know, lighting up the room. That, yeah. Why, <laughs> why didn't that show up? Yeah. So it showed negative, a, a urine test coming out from autopsy showed negative for marijuana and we're like whoa wait a second the uh ait lab where they send away for the toxicology showed mm -hmm. positive for um, marijuana but negative um for alcohol and then the you see what i'm saying they have all these tests and and there was no urine test so somehow somebody fabricated this test to make it appear as though they tested for all these drugs and he, he was negative for all of them. So that's why we believe that there was a drug in my son's system. And I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, did they tell him here, Tanner, try this? Um, did they say, just put it in his drink to see what the big guy's going to do? You don't just stumble after two drinks and stumble to the stairs and just collapse. And you don't, um, you don't bleed out your nose and mouth eyes, ears, you don't foam at the, in your, you don't have foam in your lungs. You don't foam in your, you know, you don't do that when you die naturally from just a heart uh, arrhythmia, your heart stops in an arrhythmia, your heart just stops. Right. You don't continue living when you collapse to the floor in an arrhythmia. You, you don't do that. When you have an arrhythmia and your heart stops, you stop. Yeah. But they said, yeah. And they said you had, a, he had an arrhythmia and it caused him to suffocate. He suffocated while going into an arrhythmia. And I'm like, what? I mean, I literally was like, I, I'm like, and you all are licensed to help and find out what happened in these cases. You're licensed to do this. And you're, you're trying to pass that on to our family. Like, we're going to believe that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, and so do you see where we just, the things that we have been told and the things that, um, the things that we see just, they don't add up at right. all. They're, they're on complete opposites of the spectrum of, of, at this point. And so we, you know, we've been fighting, this is what we're fighting for. And, and, you know, they, they've said so many horrible things about him. So we just want, um, 
we're just trying to get answers in sure. all of it. It's a crazy, confusing, twist and turn mess that had Howard County. Just, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it. I mean, it just seems conveniently confusing. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. You know, I, I agree with it's just just a twist and turn of corruption. I honestly, and I don't use that term, you know, loosely at all. Right. You know, because I'm pro pro police. I really am. I, you know, I'm for all for the police. I, but you know, you have a couple dirty dirty seeds in there, and 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 people try to say, well, the cops, the cops. There are some dirty folk out there. There are some dirty folks out there, and. You know, people do what they what they were told. You've got good cops, but they're told by the higher ups. You know, hey, uh, uh-uh, uh, or you're going to be on the desk job. You know what I mean? There's there's bullies in the police station. Um, and the town so, that happened was this a, a small town or a big town? It was about sixty, seventy thousand. I mean, you know, hey, we had not a Walmart, a so we're kind of big. <laughs> but not yeah, a huge city. not a huge city. No. Um, but big enough that, you know, we had the, the county, we had the police department, we had, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice size town. I mean, um, you know, it's not considered a city. It's, I guess it's a town. I don't know. Um, but big enough. I mean, you know, big enough that, um, I don't know. It just, it just, it's so confusing to me when I talk about it. So that's why I said my mind is like a squirrel when I talk yeah. about this, because there's so many twists. And you can't get them all in in an hour. You can't get everything in in an hour to tell people. And that's why sometimes I'm like, you know what? Here's the case file. You go through it. You You tell me. me. It makes me question. um, Whenever I see things like this and and having done this podcast, this is my second season now. um, It's interesting that the cases like, like Tanner's case, uh, even like my brother's case, it's it's almost like all these extra things are thrown in to distract from what mm-hmm. actually happened. Um, and and that's just me looking from the outside, you know, into into this story in the short amount of time that we've talked about it. But I feel like you know, there's a level of we're going to purposely convolute everything so that nothing is clear. If nothing is clear, then there's no, you know, there's no solution at that point, right? And, exactly. And at the very least, to me, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like at the very least, it was a negligent situation where people failed to help your son in his time of need. So if he truly collapsed, right, and mm-hmm. even if he felt a pulse, and if he truly collapsed, wouldn't you call somebody? Wouldn't you at least make sure that he was okay? Rather than just being like, oh, he has a pulse, cool. Because how do you know that he he isn't unconscious uh, because he's dying? Like, how do you not know that? So if you're not a medical professional, why wouldn't you call somebody to come and help? You, and I agree um, with that. I, I agree. And you know, and what we said, okay, if they thought it was Tanner's heart, because they, you know, they they kept saying, well he just collapsed. We didn't know. And, and, and then a second time, you know, because I heard some things, you know, that the detectives had questioned these people, a few things. And if they thought it was Tanner's heart, why didn't they call nine one nine one one then? Right. 
Right. If you thought it was not drugs and it wasn't Tanner didn't drink much, then why didn't you call 911 in case it was a medical? And if it was an actual medical emergency, yeah. why didn't you call 911? And that tells us right there that it wasn't a medical emergency. They knew what was in his system and they wanted him to sleep it off so they wouldn't get or, in trouble for what they gave him. Yeah, or they didn't want to get caught for what they were doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's, it seems pretty clear. I think that once you sift through all of the insanity of, of everything that's being thrown in here, when you get down to it, I mean, and you know, I wasn't there, you weren't there, but it does seem like at the very least they failed to help somebody who was in distress or they knowingly did something and were covering up their tracks. Oh, it, it when you see, and we got lucky. Okay. We got lucky and, and had gotten Tanner's case file, the beginning part. We didn't get part mm-hmm. two, which I call the hell Mary part. Um, we were able to get through, um, an attorney, we were able, our, our, an attorney told us we were able to get him because of, um, we had a wrongful death suit against these people. And because right. the toxicology was so conflicting and we didn't really know then what was going on. Cause we hadn't seen the case file. Um, the, the, uh, the, we couldn't sue them for wrongful death, which is unbelievable. So many people are mm-hmm. outraged by that because you're like, these people had your son at your house. He was consuming alcohol at that house. Regardless of anything, you should have been able to sue them because alcohol was consumed. And they said, no, Tanner said that he went and got himself a beer. And I said, well, I don't know what um, statements you're reading, but that's not what I read. And regardless, I mean, if that's an accident at your house, you get sued for it. Uh-huh. So that's why we know that these toxicology reports, we believe they didn't want to get sued. So, and uh, they didn't want to get in trouble for what was in his system. So mm-hmm. anyway, so we got the, we got the case file because once they close a, a case like that, you get the case file. So we were lucky. Thank you, Lord. We got that case file. Um, because that's when we started seeing everything that, um, that was wrong in this whole thing. And I, I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I wanted to throw that case. I was so angry. Um, but one thing we did see, and we were able to get the audio and the video of their um, statements mm-hmm. it is so obvious that they were lying. I mean, though at one point, the girl who checked his pulse, they said, okay, could you demonstrate how you checked his pulse? Can you, you know, show us what he was doing? And she literally was laughing what? when she was doing it. Yes. Yes. She was laughing. Oh and God. she said, she took his pulse. They said, did he, she goes, when I went and she said, and he just passed out. They said, did you go get anybody? Did you, did he ever, and this, this was the, one of the hardest parts for me to read. And they said, did you, did he ever regain consciousness? Did, did he ever speak again after that? And she says, no. And she just went to bed. He oh, laid God. there trying to breathe and and she said he was breathing. He was snoring, making like snoring sounds, which he was trying to get oxygen is what was happening. And then she, they just left him in this awkward position. And, you know, and, and for her to just laugh and think it's funny that, that that's how he was laying and she was trying to take his pulse. And she goes, Tanner, Tanner, wake up. And she goes, and she started laughing when she did it. And then she, um, but when they said, did he ever regain consciousness? And she said, no. 
but I just went to bed. So, you know, and I don't believe all of that because I know that there had to have been more people there. And Mm -hmm. I think they used this girl, but I think she was there at that point and said, maybe she checked his pulse and knew they all knew he didn't regain consciousness. Mm-hmm. There are things that, it is disgusting and people want to sit here and judge judge us for fighting but when you see and hear and all the stuff that we as families go through in these cases of our loved ones and and we get so angry and then people want to just come back and judge you for it and you're like you know what I hope to God nothing ever ever like this happens to you because people like you would never get it. You would Absolutely. never get it. You would never yeah. get and understand. Of course, of course we're angry. You would be <laughs> angry too. Like, how dare you? I, I how just, dare you? How dare you? You have no idea what it's like to deal with mm-hmm. this. You have no idea what it's like to hit wall after wall after wall. Of course we're angry. Mhm. Yeah, we're pissed. I'm, that's a great word, and it is. I'm. I get so angry, and I. I apologize. I try to keep it my anger off of my social media, but sometimes I just, you know, when I'm under such an extreme attack, yeah. and I have been for the last two years. I've been under such an attack of cyber stalking and gang stalking and people saying horrible things about my son and myself and and I just at some point I'm like you know what I'm human I'm human and if you all get mad at me because I'm gonna lash out for five seconds then you know I don't I don't need you in my life I need people who are there and gonna say Michelle I'm with you girl get them girl and you know or any family member so when I see family members lash out I'm like you go you keep kicking open doors you you keep pushing because I know what you're going through because I'm going through it. So people looking uh, out on the, from the outside in and judging us and mm-hmm. saying horrible things and, and doing things to us, you know, shame, shame, shame on you. Shame on 100%, you. A hundred percent. I agree with mm-hmm. you. Yes. We're, I'm, eight years ago, you know, I was going to my son's college football games. I was enjoying life. Life was great. My daughter, you know, was getting ready to graduate high school. She was going to be a dental hygienist. You know, she, we, life was great for my husband and I. You know, I was just, everything was great. And then look, in the blink of an eye, in a blink of an eye, it all was taken from us. That that life is now yeah. before. And now we have an after life, which you know, I try to make as best I can because I have a daughter who um, now is actually, and I'm so proud of her. I'm going to plug her in here. Um, sure. She is in her master's program for um, mental health counseling. Oh, good for her. Yes. Yeah, so she's um, in her master's. So she works at a mental hospital. Um, and that's not the one I'm at. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my hospital. Um, but no, she is, uh, she's so good. She is so good at what she does and I'm so proud of her but I'm I'm very very proud of her and um Tanner would have been too you know she I'm I'm sure yeah yeah and um yeah he would yeah she's I think he would have been so proud of her and um, proud of you 
Yeah, I hope so. I do. I, do. I hope so. I hope he uh, he appreciates all these extra wrinkles I've gotten for the last <laughs> <laughs> eight years of trying to, you know, the grief and the stress and um, all that of trying to fight and fight and fight. I think he is. I just, I just miss. Um, I just wish Jane still had her best friend here with her. Um, I think we're we're pretty close to wrapping up here. I just wanted to get one final thought from you. Um, anything that you want to share with my listeners, or anything that you want to say, um, just to wrap this up. Uh, but before you do that, I just want to thank you for um, taking the time to come on my show for being honest and being vulnerable. And I know that this is not easy uh, for anybody to go through. And, and I know how much, uh, how draining it is emotionally to retell and relive this, you know, horrible tragedy that happened over and over again. But I, I appreciate it. And I will do whatever I can to continue to retweet you and to share Tanner's story. And even though it's not a New Mexican story, I, I, I feel strongly that, you know, we need to fight for justice for the people who can't for themselves anymore so um, thank you for taking the time to to be on my show I'll turn it over to you to wrap it up and then and then we'll end this this uh, interview well thank and thanks for having me I really I really appreciate it I I think the more we get Tanner's story out actually anybody's story I just want to actually um, thank all the podcasters out there as well because you know you all help us more than you, you actually realize because you get our stories out there and people grab on to them. And then it becomes, um, it, get, it starts to get viral and um, people want to help you. And, and we have gotten so much help through podcasters and um, you know, everything that they, you know, they, they put out there, people retweet, people start picking it up and then we get um, professionals like, you know, that, that want to help. So we appreciate, we appreciate all that. And I just think um, just support families, you know, just, just support us. It's, we're going to have our good days. We're going to have our bad days. We're going to rant. We're going to rave. We're going to cry. We're going to do it all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But everybody would, if they were in, in, in our shoes, in our, in this boat, that, you know, of life that we now have to um, ride in and, you know, I just, I just hope that um, people will just stay with us, you know, don't, don't listen to the bad things out there. Cause there's a lot, a lot of bad things can be said about people, but until go to the horse's mouth, ask, ask the questions. Like I tell people, come to me. If you want to know anything, I am an open book. I'll tell you anything. I, uh, th there's no shame in my game. I will, right. um, I'm honest. I, I'm truthful. I'm honest. And if I make a mistake, I'm going to tell you, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I, you know, Hey, I apologize. I, I didn't say that right. Or, um, or if something's changed in his case, I'll say, Hey, this part's changed. Now we're going to have to, um, refocus somewhere else. And I I'll do that. I have no reason to lie, um, about anything that gets you. And you know that your parents know that mm -hmm. grieving families don't lie about their case. They don't lie about anything in that in their case that that they're no. dealing with. So we just go by black and white facts. We go by what we're told, what we have, what we see. And so you know, just come to us. We'll tell you what we. What, if you want to know something, come to us. So in wrapping up, I just hope that everybody will do um, continue to follow and support Tanner and Tanner's voice. Um, it's been a journey, 
and I really am ready, really ready for this journey to be over. Uh, um, not my journey, but I'm ready. You know, either tell me what happened to my son, which I know will probably never get justice. I, I really don't believe that there will ever be like true justice. Um, but to me at this point, just knowing the truth would be justice. So I can, mm -hmm. um, so I could just put this chapter behind us and say, okay, now we know what happened to Tanner. Now we can just truly celebrate him. But you can't celebrate when you're trying to fight for justice as well or fight for truth. Because I've changed pretty much my thought. And now it's like truth for Tanner. You know, it used to be justice for Tanner. Now I just want truth. I want truth. I mean, um, getting justice would be, um, you know, you know, gravy on the side. Um, but right now I just, right now I just want truth. Just, just tell me what happened to my son. Be honest. And if somebody is keeping you and telling you don't tell, tell, you know, yeah. tell, don't sit here and let a family, especially the family that you all loved, that we loved you. And, you know, this kid that was at Tanner's, you know, the, the house that Tanner had passed at, he came to our house and we supported him and did everything. So just, you know, come forward, tell the truth. Yeah. Well, my heart goes out to you and your family. I hope that you, you get what you're looking for. And I hope that this little bit of exposure that you're getting on this show will help with that. Um, can you just tell my listeners how they can find you on social media or, or anywhere else just so they want to follow Tanner's case and the progress that you're making. Um, what's the best way to find you? Okay. I have um, Tanner's voice on Facebook um, and that's Tanner's just Tanner's without an apostrophe, just Tanner's voice. And then um, Twitter it's um, Tanner's voice, but my Twitter handle is justice four with a four Tanner. So justice number four T A N N E R. Yes. And um, yes. So look for me there. Thanks again for listening to True Consequences. Follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at True Consequences Pod and on Twitter at True Cons Pod. True Consequences is hosted, written, and produced by me, your host, Eric Carter Landine. Thanks for listening and stay safe, New Mexico. True Consequences is a production of the Oracle Network.